2: And welcome back to Blazing the Trail here at Mater Day Radio. My name is Miriam Marston, and it's great to spend this time with you as we explore together the Church's mission of evangelization. And my guest this week is Brother Charles Gonzalez, who is a monk at Mount Angel Abbey. And I met Brother Charles just as uh, he was preparing to make that switch from diocesan formation to monastic life, and he'll mention that chapter of his life during our interview. But I really wanted to hear his thoughts as well about evangelization from that perspective of monastic life. And as we begin this episode, I thought I would turn to St. Benedict himself. Um, After all, without him, we wouldn't have the Abbey, and my interview with Brother Charles just wouldn't be happening. Um, So I have here a few words from the rule of St. Benedict, which I think connect well to evangelization. Now is the time for us to rise from sleep. Our eyes should be open to the God-given light, and we should listen in wonderment to the message of the divine voice as it daily cries out, Today, if you shall hear his voice, harden not your hearts. And again, if anyone has ears to hear, let him listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And what does the Spirit say? Come, my sons, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord." Hurry while you have the light of life, so that death's darkness may not overtake you. And the Lord, as He seeks the one who will do His work among the throng of people to whom He makes that appeal, says again, Which of you wants to live to the full? Who loves long life in the enjoyment of prosperity? And if, when you hear this, you say, I do, God says to you, if you desire true and everlasting life, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. And when you have done these things, my eyes will be upon you and my ears will be attentive to your prayers. And before you call upon my name, I shall say to you, behold, I am here. What could be more delightful, dearest brothers, than the voice of our Lord's invitation to us? In his loving kindness, he reveals to us the way of life. And so, girded with faith in the performance of good works, let us follow in his paths by the guidance of the gospel. Then we shall deserve to see him who has called us into his kingdom. If we wish to attain a dwelling place in his kingdom, we shall not reach it unless we hasten there by our good deeds. Again, that is some wisdom from St. Benedict. And now please enjoy my conversation with Benedictine brother, Charles Gonzalez, and then I'll share a brief word on the other side of our interview. Well, I'm delighted to welcome Brother Charles Gonzalez, who is a newly solemnly professed monk of Mount Angel Abbey. Brother Charles, it's really great to have you on the show. How are you today?
0: I'm doing pretty well. Thank you so much. How are you?
2: I'm doing very well. Thank you. And it's really just a a joy to have this conversation. So thanks for taking the time. Let's dive in brother Charles. Uh, I want to ask where, where did you grow up and was the faith something that was already in your environment growing up?
0: Yeah, great question. I, uh, I'm from Bakersfield, California. This is the South central part of California. I like to say, um, I'm from the, uh, the Valley, uh, Central Valley to the Willamette Valley. Um, the Valley looks a little different uh, in the <laughs> Willamette Valley, um, but I'm from California originally <clears throat> and um, the faith, uh, yeah, born and raised uh, Catholic. So from okay. the creek, um, and the Catholicism, I, I like to describe it uh, very, very cultural. Uh, Mexican-American is our roots. Um, Chicano, I would describe. So, mass every Sunday. Um, I remember fondly praying the rosary.
2: Uh,
0: Christmas Eve with all my aunts and uncles. Yeah. Going to the uh, the gravesite uh, and the cemetery, praying for the deceased relatives um, mm-hmm. on Easter, on Christmas, those times. So, so I grew up in, in a very, uh, very culturally. Mexican-American Catholic uh, culture.
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, in the midst of that culture, um, what's hap- what was happening along the way to deepen that sort of spirit of evangelization that kind of ushered in these uh, pivotal encounters with the Holy Spirit?
0: Yeah, so, you know, born and raised, uh, knowing God, um, uh, not being um, totally, you know, ignorant of the faith. Of course, yeah. Uh, but it, it really wasn't until uh, freshman and sophomore year of high school okay. where I really started to take it personal. <clears throat> um, take my faith personal. Um, I had a strong encounter with the Lord. Um, ultimately, it would be confession, Um, at a a summer conference in San Diego Steubenville conference but what it took to get there was um, was incredible and I think uh, that's worth noting in in my in my story sure what what led me to I think ultimately that encounter in confession which was the first confession that I had really said um, since first communion yeah So I was in confirmation classes uh, freshman year and I wasn't at that time. I wasn't anti-God. I wasn't anti-Catholic church, but I was there um, because my other cousins were there. My dad on his side is one of 15. And so I literally had, uh, was it three other cousins who were in that class? So we were having a good time Um, confirmation class, you know? Um, But what really spoke to me during those confirmation classes and I'm still very grateful for this there was a, a couple, and an older couple that came, and it was like three or four of the sessions of confirmation classes um, were totally dedicated to theology of the body. Wow. And I remember um, immediately being hit with the realization that like, whoa. Uh, this is what I need to hear. Uh, it caught my eye as a freshman in high school. Um, and I said, whoa, this is what uh, the body's for. This is what the body's not for. But I think as a freshman and, uh, you know, I, I knew what, what sin is. We, we all know right. what sin is and we all know that it's wrong, that it's bad, all that stuff. Right. But there's something in theology of the body that that I, I said, well, wow, this is like, this is new information. Um, mm. This is explaining why and how uh, I feel the way I feel, you know, in sin. And so that was a profound kind of um, light bulb uh, that, that went off in my own heart. Um, and I said, whoa, okay. I can, I can get behind this. Uh, and, and so it was through that, um, deep kind of encounter with theology of the body, but it was also, um, we had a really tight youth group. I'm really grateful to this day for, um, my, my youth minister. Uh, it was, it was a mom and a daughter. They are kind of co-leading the, the group and, um, And I just remember being um, very inspired by them and um, uh, the daughter uh, giving her testimony. I remember that was really powerful for me. And so uh, being in this youth group uh, playing, you know, I'm a drummer. So I did a lot of praise and worship and Mm -hmm. youth groups, uh, confirmation on Sundays, youth group on Wednesday nights. So it was pretty profound, Mm -hmm. uh, the community there. But then that led me um, to uh, this summer in between freshman and sophomore year to go to confession. And, mm-hmm. and I think it relates to my you know, realizing that, hey, uh, sin is real. Um, this is why sin is bad. Mm-hmm. But I was really encouraged to not just stay in the sin. I said, OK, um, the church says this is bad. But the church just doesn't leave that, like a good mother, she says, "Hey, here's something you can do about it." Yeah. and so I remember I was really nervous uh that in that summer, it was late at night, uh, going to confession, and uh, they even were you know they they I almost didn't go that night. they said we have to uh the priest is you know is getting tired, I said, "Okay, right on, I don't <laughs> want to go, you know I was really nervous, yeah. But I knew I had to go and I went and um, the encounter of peace and joy Mm. that I experienced in that confessional was tangible, was palpable. uh, It was incredible. Um, And in a sense, (laughs) I'm still searching (laughs) for that peace and joy and how to get that, how to attain that, how to live in that. But that was... uh, uh, that was really a primary encounter with the Lord. And then the next day having a strong encounter with the Eucharist and adoration. And that was the first time I really, I like to say kind of shook hands with Jesus. Hello, my name's Jesus. Hello. My name is Emilio. That was my name before profession. Um, so that's kind of, a, in a nutshell, what, what happened. Um, and that's when I, I started to take my faith seriously and started to wonder, um, it started the adventure, I guess
2: you could say. Awesome. And it is an adventure, as you say, Brother Charles. And I'm very moved to hear your uh, your story as you're sharing that epiphany that you had that sin was real, but you're right that it's not the end of the story. It doesn't stay there. That's not where we live. That's not where we're called to stay. Christ is calling us from that into new life. So thank you for sharing that. For those who are just tuning in, I'm speaking with Brother Charles Gonzalez, who is a newly solemnly professed monk of Mount Angel Abbey. I want to zero in on the brother part of your name right there. Brother Charles, like you said, that is your religious name. So Brother Charles, uh, can you share with us what prompted uh, this discernment and ultimately what led you into religious life.
0: Yeah, um, I was uh, here originally at Mount Angel Abbey as a diocesan seminarian for Fresno. And so I always knew about um, religious life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually, uh, when, I, when I first uh, discerned uh, the priesthood, um, the original, a uh, way for me uh, thinking uh, that I would be a priest was um, as a um, was as a religious. I was really attracted to uh, Franciscans, the, the CFRs in New York. Um, I, I, was, I was really attracted to them and attracted to a group of, of guys um, living radically for the Lord. Um, you know, I kind of said, well, if we're going to do this let's go for let's, let's go for it, gold. Yeah. let's do it and and so I, it was always kind of religious life that was attractive to me, <clears throat> probably the habits uh wearing something different um, uh but the doors opened for me to come to to seminary here as a diocesan seminarian for my uh, home diocese president, but that desire for um i would say a spirituality to, to, call my own never left. And I was always searching for that, even in, in, in diocesan seminary. Sure. Um, what is a spirituality that I can say, this is me. Um, this is, this, this sets my whole uh, life, not just my relationship with the Lord, but also, um, every aspect of my life. You know, like I said, hey, I want to go all in. I want to I want this to affect everything, not just my not just the spirit part of my life, spiritual mm-hmm. stuff. And so uh, that desire led me um, to New York a couple times. I went to um, to visit the, the friars there and really liked what they had going on. But it was clear that that wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. The uh, Benedictine call I think really uh I started to pay attention to it it really happened at at in an encounter that I had um with uh, the young Benedict Saint Benedict that is at the cave in Subiaco uh, which is the uh right the the cave where Saint Benedict went for three years about an hour away from from Rome I got to go there um but uh, during, after I graduated uh, college, I got to go there and I was really inspired by Benedict in the cave, the Subiaco cave. I basically said, because I was at a time um, when I was in deep, deep discernment, it was in between I uh, graduated college, undergrad seminary, and I'm, in, I'm, I'm about to go to graduate seminary to, to start theology. Yeah. And so I was in a is in a pretty intense time of, of should I go on? I still have a call for um, religious life, I think. Um, so I was uh, my spirit was ripe to um, to encounter something, and at the cave and Bene- uh, with Benedict, I just was was so impressed by him, <laughs> um, and really attracted to what he was doing and. I really saw a lot of myself in him, um, young dude, young guy, desire to serve the Lord. But I asked Benedict, you know, I said, "Hey, well, why did you go to the cave?" Because he was originally, right, um, sent. He went to Rome to study, mm-hmm. and I said, well, "Doesn't the, the the city need the light of Christ?" Hello. Why do you have to go to a cave and then ultimately start monasteries and all this? And I said, "Well, whatever you're doing, you would ultimately, uh, even though you come away from the city, mm-hmm. you would ultimately be called to to, um, to minister at, to the city and mm-hmm. and to be like a light on top of a hill, you know and um, so anyways, I said, Benedict, whatever you're doing, I want to, I want to be like you. (laughs) Uh, there was a real kind of a sense of like, Hey, um, I didn't know exactly what the monastic life was about, but I said, whatever you're doing, I want to do. And it kind of was like, like a come follow me kind of thing. Um, well come and see. Uh, and, and I did, and here I am. (laughs)
2: Wow, for for those uh, listeners who are a little unfamiliar with Saint Benedict, when did he live roughly? Yeah, uh, uh,
0: three eighty five okay. to four twenty right. are um, are the kind of dates uh, we we give we give to him. So okay.
2: yeah.
0: Um, for yeah, so late fourth century, early fifth century. Uh,
2: when thinking about the monastic life. Uh, Brother Charles, again, some of our listeners might be a little unfamiliar with it. What, uh, briefly, what, what, what does a monastic day look like for you?
0: Yeah, so the monastic life is a very um, structured life. Okay. Um, We have a regular round of prayers that we start uh, at five twenty in the morning, and our last ones at seven seven twenty at night seven 725ish we start um it's it's a life it's a very balanced life so okay. um, we have uh the morning is filled with uh starting the day with prayer um with mass breakfast um you got to eat <laughs> <laughs> That's a question a lot of people ask, you know, like, especially the kids, the kids love asking, what do you, do you eat? (laughs) Do you eat? Yes, zero. But then, so the morning time of prayer Mm -hmm. and then from nine to um, 1150 ish, um, that's like our morning work period. Okay. And then the day uh, stops uh, in the middle uh, with noon prayer and lunch. And then one to four is our like afternoon work period. Okay. Um, and then four to five is, um, it's kind of like a free time. Um, that's when a lot of monks uh, work out, um, take a nap. <laughs> um, uh, and then Vespers starts at 530 um, or 5, 515, the bowels go off and then, um, then dinner. And then our evening recreation uh, with the brothers Okay. and then um compliment at seven twenty five and then that's it that's, that's it. how it goes um so it's a really um it sounds like a lot um and it can feel like that sometimes, but you just you get in the swing of it and um uh, some days it's just really awesome. It's just like last night, for example it was it was a, a busy day here at the guest house, and i I was looking so looking forward to those. 515 bells and those go off. All right. I can, I can put the work away from the day and um, just kind of let those, let those prayers at the end of the day, kind of just like, like water, like i wash away everything that happened. um, Give it all back to God. Um, So that can happen throughout the whole day. Uh, Prayer and work. That's the famous kind of Benedictine motto there.
2: Oh, that's thanks for sharing a day in the life of a of a monk Um, brother charles as you know the theme of the show is evangelization so we're all about talking um discussing the central mission of the church which is to proclaim the gospel to bring this good news to as many people as we can Um, i know instinctively that i know monastic life like this life that you're living has a really important role to play in evangelization. I can't quite sort of pin it down, but can you help us here? What, why is a monastic life, this form of religious life, so important to the mission of evangelization in our world today?
0: Great, great question. Um Abbot Jeremy, our abbot here, he um, he kind of asks the same question and he he thinks about, he's thought about a lot about this. Uh uh, what can monks offer yeah to the new evangelization, especially right um and he says you know that um the the other orders you know um they go on other they missionaries but what what do monks bring when they come to and i think he puts it like an evangelizing situation right. uh, what do monks bring? they bring a monastery and they bring a monastery to a place and it's from out of the, the context of the community of brothers and the, the works associated with the monastery Mm -hmm. where is, is that's the home base for evangelization. Mm -hmm. And so what do, uh, what does uh, monks monastic uh, stuff, (laughs) how does that, um, add or, uh, help the, uh, evangelization. Well, it's, it's that creating a space, a, um, a community, uh, for people to come to, that, that's how I like to describe the kind of Benedictine monastic, uh, evangelization here at Mount Angel is, is we're not so much going out, but, um, we're having people come here and we're doing a lot of evangelization just by living our lives. And we invite people into that. Hmm. Um, So many people come to a monastery. St. Benedict says um, the monastery will never be without guests. Hmm. And, what they find here is, is a community of Christian, Christian men, um, uh, living and, and striving after, after virtue. But we invite people, um, to into, into our community really. And it's from there that we evangelize. Um, and so I I mentioned earlier, I see ourselves kind of like a a light on a hill, like a, um, a lighthouse because we don't, We don't ever want to kind of say, hey, we're we're running away from the world, uh, from the city uh, to kind of hunker down. Right. Benedict says the monastery will never be without guests. Um, And so really what we want to be for uh, the world, uh, for this local community, we want to be uh, um, almost kind of like a refuge um, and uh, a, a place where people can come literally up the hill and look down and uh, at the world kind of with a, a renewed vision. Hmm. Um, that's what we want. Um, that's what we're trying to do is, is we're trying to say, hey, yeah, we know the world is, needs to be evangelized. We know the world needs the light of Christ. But we need, first and foremost, to know the light of Christ for ourselves and to keep that light burning like a lighthouse. And then we shine on that uh, on the world um, all throughout You know, the, the valley here. That's kind of the imagery I'm using. But um, in, in hopes of, of saying, hey, um, this is where you can encounter peace. Uh, this is where you can um, learn what it means to be in a relationship with the Lord, and then go back home, go back down the hill to minister and to be uh, where you are in your context. So, you know that we, we keep the the fire burning for people to come. Um, I don't know, uh, warm 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 themselves in the presence yeah. of Christ. You know, and and it's that work of keeping the fire burning that the monks are called to do here at Mount Angel.
2: What a beautiful mission. Brother Charles, I'm really grateful for your time today. I ask that God just continue to bless you, your your ongoing formation um, and your time on the hilltop. Uh, Thank you so much. God bless you.
0: Thanks so much.
2: So I've been on retreat at Mount Angel a number of times, and I should add that if you have the opportunity to go on a retreat there, please do so. Um, And the guests of the Abbey have a chance to pray with the monks. And early on in my visits to the hilltop, I noticed that the monks really take their time with the responses during the prayers. Now, I'm accustomed to automatically responding immediately, and when I'm with the monks, I have to set aside that habit of rushing into a response, um, lest my voice be the only one ringing out in the silence of the church. Now, it might sound like a small detail, but as I thought about it in preparation for this episode, I thought it was a good reminder that while the mission of evangelization is urgent, God is not panicking or frantic. So that flows into my prayer for you all this week, um, that you're able to take that extra breath or, or pause before you speak or act, whatever that word or action might be. I pray that you and I can move with the thoughtful urgency of the Holy Spirit, which is different from the feverish pace of the world around us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, my name is Miriam Marston, and I hope you'll join me next time as we continue to respond to the great commission that Jesus left us, to go and make disciples of all nations. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all.
1: You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, a weekly show dedicated to the church's mission of evangelization. For more information on Miriam Marston and her work, plus an archive of our past shows, visit us online at matradayradio.com or download the Hail Mary Media app. Blazing the Trail is produced at the studios of Matraday Radio in Portland, Oregon.
0: If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend.